After getting out of the military, there was a loss of camaraderie and being part of the team. David Payne served our nation in the Army as an 11B infantryman who was part of the 82nd Airborne Division. Losing that camaraderie and that part of the team actually led him to picking up alcohol and drinking for several years. Regret had set in, and he didn't want to deal with any of the problems anymore. After he stopped drinking, he had to face his demons head on. In this episode, we speak about the excuses people will tell themselves and the reasons for drinking alcohol, and how David actually overcame it when he was faced by police officers one night. By being able to turn his life around, he started GI Resupply when he noticed that there was a need because COVID had struck and a lot of people were closing their doors. So stay tuned and check out the episode coming up now. Hello everyone and welcome to the Forging Life Podcast. I am the host, Trey Ryder, and the Forging Life Podcast is about hardships, parenting, entrepreneurship, and the struggles that we deal with every single day. We will have many interviews with special guests, and you can actually see some of these interviews on YouTube, and you can even join the discussion by heading over to Facebook and typing up Forging Life Podcast and join our page. You guys, thank you so much for coming in. And I hope you enjoy season number two of the Forging Life podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Forging Life podcast. I am your daily success coach and host, Trey Ryder. And today, as every Tuesday and Fridays, we have potentially uh, special guests. And I have honored to actually call David Payne one of my guests on this speak um, this podcast, and that's because you have probably heard me speak about his mission and what he does. It's my pleasure. It's truly an honor to sit here and speak with veterans and those that are currently entrepreneurs who are trying to make a difference. I always try to make sure that I save space on our platform to be able to help and do that. So that's why I'm always honored to speak to you all. And so tell us, what is life in David Payne's eyes right now? What's going on with you? Yeah, so uh, I'm married with two uh, beautiful kids. I have my my son, Braden. He is five, and my daughter, Madeline, uh, is two. So they keep us busy throughout the days, but it's it's truly a blessing to watch them grow up. I never, whenever, every time someone had said, uh, you know, they grow up so fast, you really don't recognize it until you have kids of your own. Um and, and they're right. So we try to spend as much time as we can, my wife and I, with them. Um, and it's, it's a blessing to watch them them grow up. And um, like you said before, I am the owner of GI Resupply. Our mission is to send as many care packages as we can to those who are still serving overseas. Um, I served in the 82nd Airborne Division, and I went over to Iraq two times. And one of the biggest, it, it was such a relief and it just got you out of your, your deployment days was to come back from either if it was a patrol or you were out for a couple of days on a mission to come back to mail and care packages. It was such, it, it was just very humbling. Um, and it, it, 
gave you that connection to people back home. And that's something that I wanted to continue for those who were still serving. Um, unfortunately, you know, our headlines are, are crammed with, with things other than recognizing our service members. Um, I, I think that they should be recognized every single day. And so one of our missions is just getting the word out that, hey, we still have thousands upon thousands of people who are serving around the world and we want to be there to support them. Um, obviously, we're going through a crazy time period with COVID. Um, and unfortunately, there were a lot of organizations that had to shut their doors and they weren't able to support our service members. And it was at that time that I was like, all right, we need to fill this gap. We need to provide any way that we can. And so that's why we we started GI Resupply. And, and we've had a lot of great feedback. I would say 90 99% of the people who are purchasing care packages and sending them overseas, they don't have a loved one in the military, which is awesome because, you know, everybody wants to support our troops and sometimes they don't know how. So we're just trying to provide an, an easy outlet for them to do that. Now, quick question for you that just came to, to thought <laughs> or fruition, whatever you want to call it, you know, in Iraq, Afghanistan, these different wars have been going on. You know, we're looking at, Jesus, since 2002. Right. Yeah. So have you seen like a dip? Because maybe like if the news isn't really speaking about it, have you seen a dip in people actually stepping forward to um, lend a hand or is it still going very steady for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I would say I would say the only dip is how much we as a country are talking about it. You know, like you said, we've been we've been deployed over in those two countries for certain for a long time. And it's funny you bring that up because I've gone to talk to, you know, students in high school about, you know, they, on Veterans Day and those kids nowadays. The, the wars have been going on since they've been born now. That's all they know. And unfortunately, it's it's too normal for it, for our country. And so it's kind of just like, yeah, that's that's what's going on. That's just an everyday thing. And and what we're trying to do as a mission is just is change that thought process. Like, yeah, it's still going on, but it's a very real world for our service members who were deployed in these areas, you know, they're still sacrificing everything for us. Um, so that's why we want to provide back even, you know, sending care packages is, is just a, a small gesture that we can do, but we're just trying to raise morale and, and, and their hopes while they're, while they're deployed. Um, one other thing that's interesting that I've seen, and I didn't know that this was going on when I was in, I got out when I was in 2008, but one thing that's, that's changed from, the mission of our military also is that we're seeing our de our troops deployed in areas that they may not have been before. So, I mean, we've we have troops that are deployed in Germany and South Korea and a few other areas, but we're also seeing deployments now to um, Turkey and we're seeing deployments to Poland and they're sending groups of of you know different units to these areas to to deploy for, you know, it could be a few months to up to a year. And it's interesting how that mission has changed. And, and we're trying to provide for those folks as well, who are, who are serving and sacrificing in those areas. Yeah, that's a very valid point. And as soon as you were talking about Turkey, I was thinking of some of the missions that were going on there. 
a lot of people don't know because it's not talked about in the media. So this is a very ongoing mission that you have every single day. And I know <laughs> some of the people that were deployed to Turkey, you know, the only thing that they were able to eat because of the temperatures right. is to be able to actually have like rice and, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be able to boil that and be able to eat it, it because you can't really get the, the proper things up there or it, it wouldn't actually work. I wasn't actually part of that, that team out there. But I did know when they came back, they were definitely pretty scrawny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, even when we talk about Germany and, and South Korea, you know, we have permanent bases there as of right now. So we have, you know, service members who are doing tours there or, you know, that's their their duty station, but they're still away from home. We're just trying to make that connection with loved ones. And like you said, sometimes we're, depending on where they're deployed, Um, they may not have access to, you know, food and shaving cream to soap to, you know, all those small necessities that we take for granted here. Um, so we're just trying to, to provide as much as we can for them while, while they're in those, uh, in those countries. And I do want to actually bring this back, um, to this discussion about GI resupply, but first I would like to, to take it about, uh, into your service, you know, you talked about the 82nd. I was part of the 18th Airborne Corps down there, Bragg. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I did deploy with the 82nd. And so what? first and foremost, what was your um, your MOS or job title for those that aren't in the military? Yeah, I was an 11 Bravo, so I was an infantryman. I wanted to uh, – I remember going to the recruiter – I, I was I was homesick from school on on September 11th. Believe it or not, it was. It's weird how all that worked out, but I think that things has happened for a reason. So I sat there that day and watched everything unfold. And it was at that moment I knew this is this is what I need to do. I'm going to join the military after high school. I'm not doing anything else. So I went into um, the recruiter station, and they were happy to accept. Um, somebody who was, who wanted to go into the infantry. So it was no problem getting in there. And um, yeah, it was, it's an experience that I I wouldn't change for the world. Yeah. And once again, thank you for your service. So as, as you went through your, you said two tours, uh, whether it was Iraq, Afghanistan, it doesn't matter. It was the fact that you went out and served. I know some of the struggles come from not necessarily out there in the war zone, it it can definitely be a battle coming home. Mm -hmm. What type of battles did you see in regards to within yourself or the home life? Did, was there any major factors going on there? Yeah. Um, That's a great question because that was something that definitely, you know, the military sets you up for as much success as they can um, as you um, get out of the, get out. Um, and one thing that I struggled with definitely afterwards was, you know, that sense of brotherhood and camaraderie that, that you have, you know, in, in basic training, they break you down, they build you up and, and you're part of a team every single day of your, your military life. And I think when I got out and that, that team, it, it was gone. Um, I still stay in touch with a lot of people who I served with, but not being around them every day and, and being shoulder to shoulder with them and um, 
on our two deployments, it, it wore on me a lot. And unfortunately I developed um, a drinking problem as a result of, uh, of everything that I had um, dealt with in the military. And I think that that is, it's a story that I felt was, was very unique to me, but as uh, I talk to more and more veterans, I'm finding that it is, um, it is something that's very unique to our community. And um, I mean, it was years and years that, that I had this problem. Um, I was breaking up relationships with family and friends and it became an issue to the point where, you know, I needed to get some help. And thankfully I had, I had friends of mine that were willing to stand by my side and pick me up and, um, you know, thank God, you know, today I've been sober for seven years. So um, I think the biggest reward that I have now is being able to, to help others who are going through the same thing. Cause we have, you know, we have service members that are, that are getting out every single day and they're dealing with the same trials and, and tribulations that a lot of us had. So being able to give back and being somebody that they can speak to and, and go to with, uh, with any issues and without judgment is, is very rewarding. I appreciate you sharing that vulnerable side of, you know, the, the unspoken uh, words that are, you know, is kind of going on with our, our own self and community and congratulations first on yeah, the seven it. years of sobriety. That's huge. Uh, I, me personally, I grew up in a family that was torn with uh, alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So I know how it plays a huge factor in everyday life. And just like you said, I, in regards to military life, that's one of the things we do as a pastime. It's hanging out. Oh, it's yeah. kind of like a big frat party, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And everybody's hanging out, drinking, partying uh, when we're not on mission. So mm-hmm. it, it does help in regards to building a community or that camaraderie, but it, it also tears us apart, uh, which is the unfortunate part. And you talked about being 11B. I, I was a combat engineer starting out mm-hmm. and eventually switched over military police. And I was, you know, being in the military police sector, it was one of those things like, oh, yeah, you're always going against your own kind. So we were we were the, the, the red sheep. Right. And the thing is, that, that was because of what they they looked at in general. What they didn't see is how many people I escorted home from the bars right. to make sure they were safe yep. uh, and, and given back to without like any repercussions. Right. You know, so um, there's a lot of different things that go on uh, without a lot of people noticing. And Absolutely. that being said, taking it back to even drinking, there's a lot that goes on within ourselves. And what do you feel sent you towards taking those sips and and that drinking? Yeah, I would say, um, I think the biggest part of it was regret. There's a lot of things that I wish I had done in the military or wish that I had done more of. Um, I think that is something that weighed on me a lot. Um, And just, I didn't want to deal with any of my problems. I think that's the biggest underlying thing is, you know, when you stop drinking, you have to find out what that underlying issue is and you have to get to the root cause and solve it. Because if you don't, then you're always just covering up the problem and you're always trying to solve the problem by putting a bandaid on it. And that bandaid for me was drinking. I remember, you know, 
sitting in a bar and I would start drinking with the whole in, intention of I'm going to worry about this tomorrow. And since I'm drinking, it's going to have me forget about everything that's going on in my life and I'll deal with it tomorrow. But the issue is when you wake up in the morning, the problem's still there. And so you try to cover it up again. So you, so you drink again and, you know, it was fun at first, like you said, you know, in the military, we train hard, but we'll, we'll party hard too. And it's very normalized. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but for me, it was, um, it, what started off as, um, something social and casual turned out to be my medication and it, it wasn't working. Um, you know, it, I broke relationships with family and it's, it's hard to get that stuff back. Once you, you know, every time you tell someone, I'm never going to do this again and you go and do it again and you do it again and you do it again, just because you're trying to forget about things that, that have happened or, or friends that you've lost or things that you wish you could have done more of. Um, it just, it got to the point when, where it wasn't a way to live anymore. Um, and that's why I reached out and, I think the biggest thing that we can do as a veteran community is use our voice and talk about it because, you know, you, you talk to any service members, anyone in the military, veterans, whether they're still in or not, that community is the, the first, they're the first people to raise their hand to help somebody. Um, whether you need help, help with money problems or your car is broken down, you need a place to stay or, or um, you're defending somebody we're always the first ones will raise our hands to help. But one thing that we don't do as community is ask for help. And I know, you know, when I was in, it was, you know, if you're, if you have an ache or you're, or you're sore or you're tired, drink water and, and drive on. And I think that mentality just gets put into us where we don't want to talk about our problems. We don't want to burden other people with our problems um, but in the end, that's what we, that's what we need to do. We need to talk about it. The more we talk about it, the more we could find out what, what is, what is the real problem? What's bothering us? And let's, and let's fix it with, with healthy solutions. I love what you were just speaking about. And it, it's straight from the heart and the truth. And one of the things that I wrote down while you're sitting here speaking is I, obviously I have, you know, a lot of soldiers, um, that have had this issue um and i've heard some of their excuses as to why they do it what are some excuses you were telling yourself about drinking like to make it okay yep i would say the biggest one was so my second deployment i turned 21 overseas and i think the biggest excuse that i used was you know i got out um i think i was 22 and I said, well, now this is my time to go to college and to live that, that carefree lifestyle. I didn't get a chance to do that in my younger years. I was training or deploying or, um, you know, everything else with the military. And what I wasn't telling people was, hey, we were still doing that stuff. We were just working a full-time job. And, you know, if we weren't training, we were partying and, Every weekend, that's what we were doing. We were working to, to get to the weekend so that we could party. So that was just the biggest excuse that I used. Was, now it's my time to go to college 
and I'm going to live that college lifestyle, even though I'm 22 and I'm being extremely abusive with it. Um, that was just the, the biggest excuse I used. And then another one was, um, well, people, all these civilian quote unquote civilians, they don't understand what, what I went through. And, you know, part of that is correct. You know, there, there are things that we're going to live through being veterans that people are never going to understand. But one thing that that doesn't, it doesn't allow me to still act that recklessly looking back, you know, um, I can't imagine, you know, having kids of my own now, what that did to my parents and my family and friends and loved ones. It was, it was something that was, it, it was an awful time, but, you know, luckily, you know, one of the steps that, that I went through is I was able to make amends with these people. Um, and this time doing it by proving like, Hey, you know, I've been sober for this many months and I mean it this time, you know, this, it, you almost have to, you can't talk about it. You have to be about it at that point. So, you know, it's this, the whole experience has been a blessing. Um, but those were the biggest excuses that, that I used while I was drinking. There was always an excuse for something. Um, and that just shows how, you know, that I, I wasn't in the right mindset during that time. And, you know, al the alcohol completely controlled my life and it was, it would use any excuse it could to get me to keep drinking. So um, it just, it's just a matter of facing those excuses, facing those fears and, and, and doing something about it. And uh, you know, it's a blessing I was able to do that. Would you ever hear the excuse that you just like, like the, t the taste of it? to be able to continue drinking and say, you know, it's kind of casual. Absolutely. But here's the, here's the difference with me is I, I remember saying this when I drank too, was, you know, there are some people in the world who can sit down and they can have one, one beer or one cocktail and they go home. But for me and, and my alcoholic mind, it never worked like that. It was, I knew if I was going out, you know, I'm going to be home by this time. I have to get up to go to school or get up to go to work or do, et cetera. Um, I wasn't staying for, for one or two. It was going to be all night. We we're going to close it down. Um, so some people, some people are able to drink it for the taste and, and have a few and more power to them. I mean, that's, that's the right to do that. Um, I could not, and I never will be able to again, you know, I think, the biggest question people ask is, you know, you can't drink. I mean, you haven't drank for seven years. What's wrong with you having one now? But as soon as I take that sip, it's going to click again and it's off to the races and I'm better off. I'm a better person. Um, I'm a better father and a better husband when I'm not drinking. And, you know, thank God that I, I wasn't married and I didn't have kids um, during that time. Cause I can't imagine um, the pain I would put them through. And I, that's something that I don't want to ever do. So I think that is the biggest motivation for me. Um, not only, you know, my life and, and lifestyle, but those around me too, they don't need to be, they don't need to be around that. So what was the deciding factor for you to actually make this, this change and stop drinking? Yeah, I would say, um, I started getting in trouble. Um, it started catching up with me. And I couldn't uh, keep using excuses and keep trying to, to get my, my way out of things. Um, you know, I was stopped by 
the police who, who they pulled me aside. I'll never forget this. And this is something that I need to find the officers involved um, and thank them for this. But they told me, you know, you've obviously been through a lot and you need to get some help. And I was still trying to make up excuses and, and thanks to them. But they were like, you, you get help and, and we will help you. And that's what did it for me. You know, luckily I had a friend that was already involved in Alcoholics Anonymous and thank God for that, because I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think I would have had the courage to put myself into that program. Um, I would have made up some other excuse, but I was able to lean on him and I was able to get the help. And I had never felt that close to a group of people who have gone through some of the same situations as I had since I was in the military. And I think that was the biggest thing for me, um, just getting involved in that community. They weren't judging me. Um, Cause that's another thing too, is, is we're afraid of what people are going to think. And in the end, it doesn't matter. We just, we need to take the right steps to, to live a, a good life. Cause you know, we deserve that. Everyone deserves that. So um, just that judgment free, you know, community is, is where, where it's at. And that's what worked for me. Um, it may not work for everybody, but, but that's what did it for me. But it was all of those, you know, not necessarily just getting in trouble, but even relationships with family and friends, there's only so much people are going to take before it gets a little bit too old and, and they've had enough. And the ultimatum was put out there, you know, not just from, I mean, you expect it from your family, but friends were over it. They were tired of it. And I've had people tell me, you know, after I've been sober, you know, you scared me when you drank and hearing that is it's, it's eye opening. And, and, you know, luckily, uh, you know, we were able to put that behind us and learn from it. And I'll tell you what, I'm, I will never, you know, one of, one of the sayings is well, you won't shut the door in the past. Um, and I believe that because I have to remember where I came from and all the things that happened before, you know, my mind starts to play tricks on me again and say, you know, it's been, it's been seven years. You can go do that again. Um, I need to remember where I came from. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm black, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, it's unfortunate. A lot of the things that, that happened and in, in the pain I put people through, but um, I was able to learn from it. And I'm glad, you know, that those situations happened to me so that now um, if there's somebody in, in the veteran community or elsewhere that needs um, somebody to talk to about, you know, the same circumstances or situations that they're going through in their life, then I could be that person. You know, I'm glad you talked about uh, the door of the past because Everything that happened in the past is in the past. There's nothing that we can change about it. And mm -hmm. the only thing that we can do is learn from it. There's learning points in everything we've done. Mm -hmm. It's not to sit there and continue to live out to make our present and to make our future. So thank you for bringing that up. And one of the things that I was sitting here thinking about is you were talking about the, the police officers that stopped you. And then you went into um, AA. Mm -hmm. What was the can you break down that process? Was it mandated you went to AA or was it um, just all of a sudden something clicked in your head and you said, I'm going to get help. Uh, what truly happened between that police officer stop and the enrollment? Yeah, I would say, you know, I realized that, that I was an alcoholic. Um, it, it could have been a year or two 
before I actually um, had the courage to ask for help. Um, and I had it in my mind that I was going to go, I'm going to go start an AA and I'm going to, you know, get the help that I need. And I didn't do it. Um, for whatever reason, I didn't do it. And I thought, you know what, you, you really don't have that big of a problem. You could, you could figure this out on your own. That was the biggest problem. And anything you do in the military, nothing is on your own. Um, but for some reason I thought, you know, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And it turned out that that was the biggest mistake I could have made. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest point, you know, besides those officers saying you need to go get help and then, and we'll help you. It was at that point I realized like, all right, I'm not in this alone. Um, nothing was court mandated. Nothing told me I had to do it. I think the biggest blessing in, in, in that whole situation was that I already had a friend that was in, that was in the program. So I was able to immediately call him and I was like, Hey man, I need to get help. And I, you know, he, he took me in his arms and, and helped me out and brought me into that community. And I haven't left since, but if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I'd be right now because I would still tell myself like, Hey, I need to go. Um, I know that I, I need to get help, but I, I wouldn't have done it. I would have just tried to figure it out on my own again. Um, so I really needed that community to help me through this. I love it. Thank you so much for kind of opening that up a little bit because you have two emotions that are going on. Mm -hmm. And this is something I've been studying for a long time in regards to mindset. That's why I do my coaching now is, you know, a lot of people always came up to me for their, you know, their questions and their problems for me to kind of help them and guide them. It always led me into ultimately where I am today. So, um, you have to look at, is the emotion strong enough to be able to pull you in the proper direction? And when we don't have that, that vision, that event and that emotion and along with the action, mm-hmm. then you're not going to break it. You have to have an emotion strong enough that you want to be able to, to move forward. Absolutely. And so what was that emotion for you? So yes, you, you talked about them and them saying, you know, somebody else out there, you know, you weren't at this alone. So what was that emotion that was going through you? Was there that light bulb moment? Did you feel uh, release of pressure? Like whatever. I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, we, I had to make a change for myself in the end. You know, if, if I didn't believe in it and I didn't feel that I needed to do something and I was trying to do it for, you know, anything, anything else, to be honest with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done it. It was, I knew all the goals and aspirations that I had in my life. Um, You know, I wanted to get married and have kids so bad. I wanted to be a college graduate. I wanted to have a career. I wanted to own a house and I just wanted all that stuff. And I don't know if I expected it to just happen on its own, but you know, I, I I was beating myself down too with, um, you know, I, I served all these years and I did these deployments and I don't know, I think I just expected stuff to just happen for me. And that's not how life works. You know what I mean? You really have to work for, for what you want. Um, nothing's handed to you. And I think that's what this whole process has been for me too. You know, it, it hasn't been easy and, but it's not supposed to be, but it's, but you're supposed to put in the action, you know, to get the results that you want. And I think finally I just looked at, I, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, 
you know, I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of, you know, making these false promises and, you know, essentially lying to everybody about what I'm doing and hiding things from people. And it, it was time for a change. It was enough was enough. Um, and I think too, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, displeasure with myself was, you know, we're trained, um, to be upstanding citizens in the military. You go through all that training, you're, you're instilled with the discipline, um, the respect, the honor. Um, and I wasn't exhibiting any of that. You know, I, I, I would talk a big game and I felt that people thought of me a certain way, but I was not living like that. And it was time to, it, it was just time to step up and, you know, there was a lot of things I was going through emotionally and, and mentally too that that needed to be worked on. And if I didn't do any of that, I mean, it, this was just going to be a continuous game that I played with myself. Um, so I think I think that, you know, anyone going through this as well, you know, you could be doing it for, you know, mom, dad, brother, sister, friends, family. But in the end, you also need to do it for yourself um, because if you don't believe in it and you and there's not a real will. Um, to change, then it'll never work. So correct me if I'm wrong, what you're, you're speaking about is while you were drinking, you didn't necessarily have that clear vision or that, that North star to really shoot towards. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, that's what I find with most people, uh, whether it's, you know, alcohol or even just feeling lost in life is that loss of vision. And mm-hmm. as soon as we realize that we don't have a vision, we don't have those goals, we can talk about goals. But if you're not envisioning where it is, you're not doing anything. You're going to be spinning, spinning your wheels. And like what you spoke about, you said that you deserve more. You deserve um, more out of life. And you started realizing you had that aha moment where there's something more that I need to obtain and it's not going to happen with this. So that's amazing. I appreciate you being (laughs) very open about this because it's true. When I got out of the military, uh, I know we were talking off camera and everything before. It's that loss of camaraderie. As soon as you step out, you have that paperwork, retirement paperwork for me. Here I am, world, and what the Mm -hmm. heck am I going to do? Absolutely. Like, Who do I have to lean on? Because it's not like you're around family and friends there. And let's be real. Like for me, I was in for 14 years. I, Mm -hmm. um, I'm guessing what, like six or eight for you. Yeah. You said uh, like 2001 to eight. It was, uh, I went in in 2004, got out 2008 active duty and then did four more in, in the reserves. Okay. So, and the thing is like, we're grown up and like as soon as we leave home we join the military and we're gone somewhere it's not Mm -hmm. like we're home around our friends our friends are growing in their own direction absolutely and here we are we're starting from rock bottom to basically have everything wiped away and we build this community wherever we're stationed so our friends are on a different playing level by the time that we get out Yep, And they don't necessarily understand what's going on in regards to our world, our community. If, if you're lucky enough or fortunate, or maybe you're thinking of it, you stay around the military base that you get out from. Right. But nine times out of 10, 
people are going back to their hometowns. Yeah. Normally you're trying to get as far away as you can from, from that place. Yeah. And then then there's no connection, uh, no camaraderie. The people that, you know, you know, it's all gone. So Mm -hmm. now you're, you're dealing with everything just on your own and maybe with your family, you try to, to gather in with your, your old friends, but maybe it's working out. Maybe it's not right. It's, it's literally about starting over again. And that's where a lot of the issues can come into play as well. So I just want to kind of speak freely of the things that I saw, even when I was getting out and that loss of camaraderie and where can I find that? So um, jumping back into GI resupply before we wrap all of this up, you know, I do have a few questions about the mission and what are some ways about GI resupply? Like if somebody, can you give us a, you kind of briefly talked about it earlier. Yep. So the mission is uh, the care packages to uh, some of the soldiers, not necessarily in just war zones, but it's also to those that have a lack of resources. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. will ship it anywhere. Um, people don't necessarily have to be deployed overseas. I mean, we still have service members all around the country who are, you know, that's their duty station. They're still away from home. Um, but you know, maybe they're living in the barracks, you know, or they're in another state. We'll provide to them too. I mean, we'll, we'll send it anywhere to anybody, uh, that's serving. Um, we're just trying to make it easy for people to do so. You know, we have our military spouses have so much on their shoulders, um, during that time, especially during deployment, you know, they're taking care of, paying the bills, taking the kids to recitals or sport, sporting events, um, taking care of the house. And at the same time, they're worried about their loved one who's deployed. We're just trying to make it easy for them too. You know, when you to send a care package to somebody, you're going to go to the store, you're going to get all the goods that you need. Um, you're going to go to the post office, get a box, fill it. And then you're going to have to take the time to fill out, you know, the customs forms to send that box. And then you're gonna have to go wait in line at the post office to do so that that stuff takes time. And that's, that's time that we want to give back to our military spouses. And, you know, those who want to support our troops, sometimes they don't know how Um, we're just trying to provide an easy way to do that. Um, Whether you know somebody who's deployed, you have a loved one or or family member, friend that's deployed. um, You can give us their address. We'll send it directly to them. And if you don't know anybody, we'll find somebody need to, to get a package to. Uh, our goal is just to send as many care packages as we can to those who are serving and making it easy for everybody to do so. That's amazing. Can you take us to the beginning of how this got created though? Absolutely. It, it was, uh, it was in May, 2020, not long ago. Um, COVID was, it was here. And it wasn't going anywhere in the, in the near future. So, you know, I had heard about um, different organizations, um, whether that be on base themselves or organizations that would support troops um, here in the country that, that had to, you know, they, just like a lot of other businesses, they had to shut their doors, unfortunately, and they weren't able to provide that support. And so, you know, I told myself and I talked to a couple of friends and, and mentors and I said, this is what, this is what I want to do. I want to provide back. Um, and, and fill that void because we may, they weren't getting the support they needed, our service members, but they're still out there sacrificing. They're still out there do, doing their day-to-day job, you know, 
they didn't shut down at all. Their mission continued during all of this. And so I just wanted to provide that support um, for those who had to, who were continuing their mission and, and fighting for our freedoms and sacrificing um, themselves for, for all of our families and being, and while they're away from home, from their family and friends, I was just trying to give them that connection to, to their loved ones and, and to the United States while they were gone. Um, so that's, that's the biggest part of our mission right now. And it's something that I hope continues on even after COVID is over, because we're still going to have service members who are deployed and we want to make sure that they're getting the, the support and, and love that they deserve. Now, I know from checking everything out and seeing all about GRE supply, but can you explain uh, to some of the audience about the different ways that they can uh, give to GI resupply? Um, my understanding, you have different packages and can you explain some of that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all you, all you need to do really is go to our website at giresupply.com. Um, there's a link there. It tells a little bit about um, why we started and who we are, but if you go to the care package link, we offer um, different care packages that, that you can pick to send. Um, some of them have snacks, some of them only have toiletries, and some of them have both. And we have um, care packages for both men and women who are deployed. Um, essentially, you pick the care package that you want to send, and you either put in whether it's somebody that you know, maybe the address, um, and if not, we'll find somebody for you. If they have any allergies, um, you could choose to send a one-time purchase, which you know many of uh, our supporters do that. If, if they don't have somebody that they know in the military, they'll send a, a one-time um, support over there. And if some people have um, family members that are serving for six months to 12 months, um, those longer deployments, they can uh, decide to sign up for a subscription and we'll send one every month for them to their, to their loved ones. That's such an amazing mission, David. I appreciate you uh, letting us know about that. And so people that are currently listening, obviously we all want you to be able to go to GI resupply, at least check them out. Uh, follow them on Facebook if that's okay with him and at least follow some of the journey because you'll start seeing some of the real life stories coming through and the impact that you guys will end up having on some of these soldiers that are currently deployed. So um, other than that, David, is there any uh, last parting messages that you would like to, to talk before we jump off of here today? No, I, I just, uh, Trey, I appreciate you having me on the podcast and appreciate you supporting our mission so much. Um, um, we're here to, to help our service members and just getting the word out um, to support them during this time. And while they're sacrificing for our freedoms, that's all we care about. So I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, I saw in your questionnaire, and uh, I'm so happy to have you. I truly am. I, I saw in your questionnaire, you talked about the Fortune Life podcast. So which uh, episodes have you heard so far? You know, I would, I'm so fortunate to be um, involved in this podcast and, and that I started listening to everything that you're doing. I would say, you know, the biggest one that, that stands out to me is just hearing about um, our females in the military and some of the, the things that they have to go through that I didn't have to, um, that, I, that I didn't deal with. And, you know, they, they go, 
there are heroes that, and there's a lot of things that happen that shouldn't. Um, I'll just, I'll just say that. And, but it was, it was very humbling to hear that. And um, it was a courageous story. And I appreciate her sharing that with, with all of your listeners. And it was able to open my eyes up a lot of, of things that, you know, our females in the military have to go to go through while they're serving. Not only are they sacrificing for us, but there's a lot of things going on within the ranks that, that they don't need to deal with. Um, and that's why I'm proud that we are supporting our, our female heroes who are serving as well and sending them care packages. It is, it's truly an honor to, to give back to them. That's amazing. I appreciate you uh, sharing some of your thoughts on the podcast as well. I just did an interview. I talked to you. I'm doing a, a big interview push right now. And there was a, a lady named Amy T. Meyer. And she has kind of forged history in regards to her service in the Army as well. Uh, as in being one of the, the very first um, uh, light infantry women. And um, you know, there was a, a few stepping stones that she had done to really break mm-hmm. the barriers. And she talked about her, her drive and even how the male figures kind of portrayed her and mm-hmm. dealt, not dealt, but um, kind of responded to the way that, you know, she was within the military. So that's going to be coming out here right around awesome. uh, the time of yours as well. So that's and, awesome. uh, I don't know if you heard Richard Kaufman. He was from season one, episode eight. Yep. Uh, great interview. Um, I know a lot of people go back to that one because I mention it pretty often. And then I, I talked to you, I think it was offline, but about a, a recent episode I just recorded in regards to the People's Patriot. So that's going to be another one coming out. And uh, so the military veterans obviously is close to my heart. And something that um, I truly want to be able to give back to. So thank you for jumping on here, sharing your words of wisdom about, you know, that silent um, enemy that we deal with sometimes and uh, how people can truly just kind of become aware of what is going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been an honor. I appreciate it. All right, David, once again, thank you so much. And for everybody else, make the rest of the day the best of your day. Thanks, Trey. Thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying the Forging Life podcast, I ask you this. Take a moment and head over and rate this podcast. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you enjoy the most, please just take a moment so that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else. And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life Podcast, and join us there.